0: And our first company that we put on Start Engine was Elio Motors. It's a car company. And we raised $17 million for wow. 6,300 people. It was unbelievable.
1: Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. Please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today we have a special guest. His name is Howard Marks, and he's the CEO of Start Engine, which provides investment opportunities and a platform for entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams. Howard was also the founder and CEO of Acclaimed Games, and before that, he was the co-founder of Activision. So I'm sure everybody has heard of these companies. Howard, how's it going? Doing good, and you? It's going great. Thanks for being on the show. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of you know who you are and what your background is, especially in the gaming world? How did it, how did you even go to Acclaim and Activision? That's crazy.
0: Yeah, well, this this has been a, a very fruitful journey for my career, mainly as an entrepreneur because um, that's what I've done since college when I started my first company while I was in college, and the game business came in because as much as we love. Our software company we we were looking for a way to get into the game business and we found activision which was a dead company basically bankrupt and we bought it for very little money basically we paid four hundred thousand dollars for one third of the company and that gave us the enough shares to take over and restructure it and bring it back to where it is today
1: where is it today how big is it Well, it's about a
0: $35 billion
1: market cap. It it is the number one video game company in the world. Wow, that's incredible. So $400,000, you take it all the way to, you know, well, you help get it to where it's at today, which is $35 billion uh, market cap. I guess, what are some lessons that you've learned uh, from your Activision days that translate into kind of what you're working on nowadays?
0: Well, it's pretty simple. Most people quit and give up in what they do. And they don't wait to see if around the corner there will be an opportunity to grow your business or survive. And you see that with a lot of entrepreneurs. It happened to me. You know, we had several moments in the Activision days where things were so bad that if we would have quit or sold the company for a little bit of money and get out, we would never experience what happened to the company as becoming the number one player. So in a way... Uh, you have to give yourself the opportunity and the people tend to quit in what they do. And I've made a lot of investments in companies and I would say 90% end up quitting and not pursuing their, their vision or even pivoting, or they just decide to leave the opportunity, maybe go get a job, maybe start something new, but that behavior will never make them successful.
1: Right. And so what are some, I mean, you, you talked about some of the, those critical moments that you face. I mean, stories are always good. So can you talk about one of those critical moments where you could have just, you know, thrown in a towel?
0: Yeah. Um it's very simple. We, 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 we bought the company, realized things were bad. We had to take it bankrupt in November, 1991. And when we came out of bankruptcy, basically no one would work with us. We went to see Walmart and they said, oh, great. Activision. I remember you guys. We'll buy your new games, but you'll have to take back The fifty million dollars of inventory we have that we can't sell. So, you know, that's the kind of things and people we couldn't hire people because they would say, Well, you guys were went bankrupt. It's you know, why should I work for you guys? And um uncertain future, worried about the risk, because we were still a small company. We're, you know, 30 people, whatever we were. And at that point, it would have been easy to say, oh, look, you know what? We did a good transaction. Let's sell the thing for 10 million and let's walk away. And we even had offers along the way to buy our company, but you know, nothing really that exciting. I mean, even at one point, Walt Disney looked at us and said, oh, we're not interested in you because you guys are great at squeezing every dollar. There's no real value here. There's no intellectual property. There's not enough. You know, for them, it's just, even though we were doing okay, they just didn't see this as a real business. And, you know, they've struggled to do anything in the video game business when we just soared. And if we didn't wait for the hits to come, and they came, but we didn't wait, we would have never succeeded. And the resilience factor is something that you don't see very often. But when you see it, and you understand it, that's success.
1: Well, wow. So, you know, at, at that moment, I mean, you go to Walmart and then you, know, you said it was $50 million worth of inventory? Well, whatever number. It was, okay. it was a
0: big number. Okay. And we, we found a way. So we had to find a way to get, ask them to keep it. So we made them a deal where we would be able to sell them our new games, but at a steep discount. And they would eat the inventory. And they realized, by the way, they realized we legally, we didn't need to take it back, frankly. But you can't burn your bridges with a large customer like that.
1: Wow. Okay. You know, and we met a couple of times, just so everyone knows, um, Howard and I know each other in, in real life. And you strike me as a guy that's, you know, very, you know, you know how to do deals. You're, you know, you're no BS kind of guy. So what what is your background and, you know, what has kind of led you to being good at negotiation? Because I'm assuming to get through these waters and navigate through that whole, to get Activision to, you know, where it's at today, um, you had to negotiate a lot of different things. So what did you, what did, what is your background?
0: Well, my background, I'm a computer science engineer from the University of Michigan. I grew up in France, and I'm a technology person. But I was not necessarily the best technology guy where I would want to just make a career as a programmer. I actually felt that I was more of an ideas person. I, I can come up with an idea, build it, and see if it works, right? And so my skill set was, ai would say, a combination of... Um, understanding market opportunities ahead of everybody else, and also understanding how to make it. How do you make a product, a software product or anything, you know?
1: Got it. Got it. Makes sense. So when I'm looking at, I mean, just so everyone knows, you know, Activision, we're talking, you know, Call of Duty um, and Activision. I'm not sure if you were, were you involved with the the Blizzard transaction?
0: I left before that transaction. And that was uh, an extraordinary transaction,
1: Wow. And what's, so, I mean, you talked about resilience beforehand, uh, you know, powering through things and, and, you know, knowing when to kind of reject these different offers, how did you know, you know, when, when was the right time to, to leave? Cause you left before that transaction. How did you know it was the right time to take off?
0: I, I didn't think it was the right time. I just took off because I wanted to get into the internet mm. and it was the, um, the late nineties and I felt there was an opportunity to do something new. Mm. And so I probably left too early. Uh, if you want to maximize your value and your returns, because obviously it, it, the company went into difficulties in the year 2000 because of the big dot com crash, but it recovered, and many didn't, by the way. So there's no, there was no guarantee the company would have survived, but it did. So you know the, the management was smart and conservative enough, and a lot of the competitors uh, got into serious trouble. And a claim sure enough, got into trouble, went from number one on the spot of the largest video game company to bankrupt. That's when I bought them in 2005.
1: Interesting. And Acclaim, just so the audience knows, what, what were they most known for? Was it the, the fighting games or were the their most popular games?
0: The most popular games were like games like Mortal Kombat, mm. NBA Jam, these kinds of games.
1: Got it. Okay. And just so everyone knows, I mean, people are probably wondering in the audience right now, it's like, wow, okay, you, you know, Howard's out there, he's buying companies like Activision, he's buying company like Acclaim Games. How do you even find these transactions in the first place? How do you get them to actually happen?
0: Well, that's where it comes, where I think your audience will be interested is it's not programmed. So, for example, um, Activision came by because we were, me and my partner were in the software space, we were making software for the for the, before the DVD, the CD-ROMs and for personal computers. And we didn't like the business. We felt that it was too limited. And, and you know, you have giants like Microsoft, you'll never catch up to them. So we thought video games was a, a good way to go. But how do you get in? So we started reading the public uh, documents on all the video game companies and several of them were public at the time we were doing it a claim was was a good example and when we looked at the activision public documents the company was in a free fall the the ceo was suing his own employees wow it was a very bad time for the company the board was not proactive they let the company started continue to to lose um, market value The market value got to a point where it was under $5 million. It was small and everybody was upset. The employees were upset. The shareholders were upset. The only guy that seemed to be happy was the CEO who was paying himself quite a lot of money. So we said, this is an opportunity. So we found a way through phone calls to find one investor that owned 30% because you can find a list of who are the investors that's public, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we found a way to find, we, we we got hold of the largest investor who owned 30% because they were an original investor in when the company before it went public. They never sold their shares. And we bought it. And they were happy to get out. Believe me, they had other problems. They were a division of a tobacco company. They just wanted out. So we bought it. And that got us the opportunity, right? And for a claim, it was the same thing. It was... I was reading in the newspaper that a claim was going bankrupt and filed for bankruptcy. And I picked up the phone and called the trustee at the bankruptcy court and said, I want to buy the company. And they said, great, there'll be an auction. We'll add you to the list. I said, "Okay," because that's how it works. So I put my name down and I signed a contract to invest, to buy the company for 100 grand. And they were laughing. They were like, you know, you'll never get it for that price because (laughs) the auction is going to you know, there's a lot of interested parties. I said, "Yeah, I understand. Look, I get it." Turns out, I got lucky because the auction to sell the company was beginning August, when a lot of people are on vacation. They published they published the auction in a newspaper, but no one obviously read it, and I was the only bidder.
1: Wow! So you got a claim for a hundred grand? Yeah. Holy crap! Mortal Kombat, all these games I used to play. You bought it for a hundred grand. That is insane. <laughs> okay.
0: Absolutely insane.
1: Great. So, I mean, I mean, the concept here, I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, Warren Buffett's concept of of value investing, both of your transactions here are are value investing the way you see it, right?
0: Well, you have to be somewhat of an insider to know what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. You have to find a company and you have to know what to do with it once you buy it. Right. And because we're entrepreneurs, we get to call the shots. We get to make the decisions. And if the strategy is sound, and I think, what you'll see with Activision and Acclaim is the strategy we had was sound. The strategy was Activision was forget the cartridge business, which was the bulk of the business. Let's focus on the CD-ROMs or the DVDs. And we think all the new guys, Sony, Nintendo, Sega, and at that point Microsoft didn't even exist, but they're going to go with the CD-ROM. Of course they will. It's cheaper. You can put a lot of storage, but no one agreed with that. No one saw it. We saw it, we went big with it, and we were right. So you needed 3D graphics, you needed video, you needed good good sound. All of this was possible when you had the media, but before it was not possible because the cartridges are too small. So our strategy worked. And was a claim, my strategy was simple. Go online games. Forget, forget package games, forget all that stuff. Just online games that are free to play. And today, it sounds obvious today, because that's what, 12 years later, Everything is free to play and everything is online, right? Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was not
1: obvious. Wow. Okay. God, there's so much around here. I mean, there's so much nostalgia around this because when I look at uh, Activision, your, your, your strategy there, it, it actually – that is the first computer game that I played. It was Mech Warrior 2 and it was on uh, CD-ROM. So that, that's crazy. Right. Um, so I, I
0: I made that game with my team and wow. I canceled that game. I canceled Mech Warrior 2 a year before we shipped it because the team – couldn't figure out a way how to make it fit in the new, it, what basically what happened is that at that time the computers had only 640k of memory mm-hmm. and the new chips came out where you could have 2 2 megabytes of memory and our game was built for that 600k and they said we can't make it work so we don't have enough room to make the 3D graphics that you remember playing feasible so i canceled it i said look i'm going on a trip you guys canceled. Figure another game to make. I came back from my trip in ten days. They completely converted the game into the new chip, which allows you now to have more memory, and the game became a smash hit.
1: That's a hell of a story. Cool, man. Um, so I do want to talk about what you're working on now. So, your, your story from Activision, uh, Acclaim. I think we could talk all day about it. But I do want to talk about Start Engine. So, what is Start Engine, and you know, what was the impetus behind it?
0: So, after I sold Acclaim, I realized that LA was not strong enough in a technology world uh, we were not on the map and i felt that LA has its place and and so i looked around there were no accelerators there was no way for someone who would start a company to start a, to 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 get an investment and and get support and so i built start engine initially as an accelerator and launched it as the first accelerator in los angeles we invested in 60 companies over uh, a period of 3 years And I was very happy. I thought, wow, you have all these young entrepreneurs, these very, very hardworking people who are going to build businesses. It turns out 90% of them quit. And the excuses they gave me was, oh, I can't raise money or or, I'm fighting with my co-founder. There are always an excuse, right? Mm -hmm. And then I had some women-led companies that couldn't raise any money. And clearly because, you know, there was some bias going on. So I felt the, the the system for raising money is completely broken. And just at the time where my frustration is the highest, it was the a new rule comes out, unbeknown to everybody, out of Congress called the Jobs Act. And I read it, and in that Jobs Act, it explained that for the first time in eighty years, companies will be able to raise money from the general public, that their neighbors, not wealthy people, anybody, and. I said to myself, this is a revolution. So I read it. I spent time with lawyers. All the lawyers told me it will never pass. This is a bill that will take 10 years or more to pass. And then it will never go through because the SEC, which is the Securities Exchange Commission, will never want ever to let ordinary people invest in these high risk ideas. Anyway, I believed it's going to go. So maybe I was a little naive. But in uh, 2015, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start Engine as an ex- as a, as a equity crowdfunding platform. So I took the Kickstarter model, which exists, and I said, instead of giving rewards, you sell shares. Simple. And to me, my vision was that the future of finance is going to be crowdfunding. And the reason is because it's democratic. Everybody can access it. It's very inexpensive to make a transaction. Pennies compared to tens of dollars. I mean, most companies have to spend $30,000 just to raise their seed money. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we removed all the barriers completely. And I had to wait. I waited about a year, and the rules came out as expected, as I expected, not the market. The marketplace said it will not happen. And our first company that we put on Start Engine was Elio Motors, it's a car company. And we raised seventeen million dollars from wow. six thousand three hundred people. It was unbelievable. How did you do it? Well, we built a we built like a Kickstarter platform, and then the Elio you know, Motors came out. We did a lot of marketing with them. They did the marketing to their fans, and we did marketing to the general public. And people looked at it and say, "I want to own a piece of this," and they bought. And since then, we've done over 40 companies. And our goal this year is to do 100 companies. Next year, 500 to 1,000 companies.
1: Wow, that's crazy. And what's, what's you know, how are you, um, it's two-sided, right? So how are you getting these deals with these companies right now? And how are more people finding out about Engine?
0: Well, we get companies by referrals, people who find out about us, by people who type in on on the search engine, raise capital. We, we appear somehow, somewhere not necessarily as well as we would like. Mm-hmm. And then we do advertising and we also do lead generation, which means we uh, find companies that we find through lists of trade shows, that kind of stuff. And then we contact them, contact the CEO. We say, look, are uh, you looking to raise capital? Are you interested in more capital? They say yes. Then we meet with them or we exchange emails and then they can go on start engine.
1: Awesome, and how much have you raised to date so far overall? Over thirty million. Wow, crazy! And then you have that one deal that did over fifty percent. That's that is nuts. Um, so great. Okay, so everyone, check out Start Engine if you're looking to you know figure out a way to get some capital for for your business. Um, I've checked it out before in the past. Um, I mean, what else? I mean, you know, what are some? You know, I, I've spoken to you in the past. I mean, uh, you know, what does this company mean to you personally? I guess.
0: Well, because I did it and. When I was very frustrated with the way how companies were not able to raise money, my mission became to help entrepreneurs realize their dreams. Entrepreneurs like myself. And my goal is to create a million jobs in the next five years. And so my mission is very well aligned with what our country, our economy needs today, which is job creation. And when you start to understand that, The large companies, the Fortune 500 companies, the largest companies in the world are not really good employers. They don't hire that many people. In fact, they hire as many people as they fire every year. There's no growth from them. All the growth are from the next Snapchats, the next Facebooks, the next Ubers, those next technology or non-technology companies who are making, putting their stake in uh, and saying, we will build the next big thing. They're the ones who create all the jobs. And guess what? Start engine is the one that is gonna finance all those companies.
1: Awesome. That's really it's really admirable. And I, I think, you know, the, the goal of one million, I think it's well, I don't think it's 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 hard to, you know, it's it's very far away given the given your work ethic, which actually brings me to my next point. Um, there's you know, there's two guys that I've seen you develop um, and, and kind of mentor and, and, and train. Um, and it seems that you're you're pretty good at fostering young talent. I mean, do you have any feedback around that? Do you have any tips for people around that? Well,
0: look. First thing, here's my tip. Simple. First, it's not worth being an entrepreneur to do something you don't like. It's just not worth it. So if you're not passionate about what you do, just don't do it. Find something you are. Even if it's not doesn't seem to you is something you would make a lot of money from. That's not really that important because you can always find ways to become wealthy if you're successful. But first pick something you're willing to be you're passionate about where you find a mission statement that you can get behind. And the second thing is do not quit, because if you do quit, it's over. That's a failure. You know, maybe you sold it for a little bit of money. Maybe that makes you feel good, but that's not not that's not enough.
1: Right. Do you remember your mission statements at Activision and Acclaim? No, I was...
0: I was not that sophisticated when I did Activision, I I was 29 years old and the concept of finding mentors and uh, learning on how to build a business was not that popular out there. So, you know, our mission, if maybe at the end of the day was to make money, I guess, Mm -hmm. but really what we were without explaining it, we wanted to create, we wanted to help people um, enjoy, you know, their entertainment in in a more was more more value than was existing before because the video game market was a games were addictive, but they didn't look that great. They were all pixelated yeah. and small. And for us, it was trying to create the art and the the, the feel behind the game so it would be more conducive, more engr- engrossing, more engaging. But it was not a mission statement that was strong that we could, you know, the people who came to work for us in the end of the day wanted to make games. That's all they cared about. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it was a hobby becomes a reality. And in claim my mission statement there was to introduce games for free that are multiplayer because it's a community they're, they're, and really bring multiplayer gaming in a very honest way because you don't have to pay to get in. Because a lot of games you would buy, pay $60 and hate it after an hour or two. You know what? I don't want to play this anymore. And then you're stuck. And I felt that that model was broken. And the idea of playing for free where 5% of the community pays for the 95%. I thought that was genius. And I found that in in, uh, Korea. There was a company called Nexon that was doing it. And I just went, met with them in Korea, and I said, oh, I want to bring that to the United States. Mm. And so I was the first to put out free to play games.
1: Smart. And actually, I mean, th- this just popped into my head. You know, how did you get the 400K to invest into Activision when you were 29 years old? And this is a long time ago, too. Because I, we had a company
0: prior to Activision that was making CD ROM software for. The personal computers, like the the IBM, the uh, the Apple II, you know, all these machines that were called personal computers, they were not used; they were used in the home. Today, there's no pers- mo- no concept of personal computer, just a laptop, basically, or a desktop. But that time, it was a differentiated market, and we made two million dollars from selling all these software products to manufacturers. Some of them don't exist anymore. Most of them don't exist anymore. I think the only one that we were selling to is that still exists today is IBM, but they're out of the market too. So basically no one survived, but we sold the software to go into their computer boxes and printed some beautiful graphics and packaged it all up. And they were able to sell it to retail because at that time, computers were sold, starting to get sold in the retail stores, you know, the like you said, the Sears of the world and, you know, JCPenney, you know, all these, these chains were going to sell, you know, Best Buy. They want to sell computers and computers used to be sold in specialty stores, right? So we found a way to help these companies go from specialty to mass market. And we were first. So we made some money, not that much. And we took every penny we ever made and put it into Activision. We went double down.
1: Right. And that, that's the entrepreneurial spirit, right? I mean, you see, you know, Elon Musk, I'm going to bet the whole thing know, take the PayPal money and bet it on SpaceX and, and Tesla and all this other stuff. Right. So that's basically what you did, right? You did well with uh, one business first. You took that money. Um, you didn't want to just cash out and then relax. It's basically let's, let's reinvest and let's keep going. Right. That's, that's how you, that's how you're put together. That's correct. Got it. And okay. that
0: takes a lot of guts to do. And in the end of the day, you could argue now that it was the right decision, but a lot of people thought we were crazy. Right.
1: Because your parents are like, why don't you just take that money and just, you know, keep it and be happy for the rest of your life. Right. You can live comfortably. Get
0: get a job. Mm -hmm. Just get a job. Just to make life easy. Right. Right. And to me, that was depressing. That was not something I was willing to entertain.
1: Totally. Just a couple more questions from my end. uh, Wrapping up here. What's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone?
0: Um, well, I'm reading the Elon Musk book right now, and that's pretty good. Although you have to be a fan of his to really appreciate it. Um, I would say the one book for entrepreneurs, um, there's, there's several books that, that I've recently read. Um, Peter Thiel has a book. Uh, Zero to One? Zero to One that I read it was a, it was good. Um, I would say the the lean startup is probably the one that is very easy to digest and probably has most of the truth that you need to to get things off the ground. It it, it really teaches you how to do some experimentation. Um, that was a very good one. And then you have the classic business books like the Innovator's Dilemma and. But then you're getting into more. I would say the large business kind of thinking, if you want to stay small and lean, the lean startup is a great place to start.
1: Great book. So we'll drop these in the show notes. And then one more question. Uh, what's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value. Um, so it could be like Slack or Evernote, for example.
0: I, I would say I use Slack. Great tool, by the way. And then actually those guys were making a game and that failed. And that's how Slack came about. So it shows you don't give up, Right. Because they could have said, oh, we're done with our game, and we're done. But no, it turns out into a Slack, which is a billion-dollar-plus company. Um, In terms of other tools that I use, I mean, I would say, you know, I'm I'm like everybody. You know, you go on your browser, and you you subscribe to a lot of services. I mean, there's nothing really uh, extraordinary that I'm using right now um, that I'm that excited about.
1: Great. Awesome. Well, Howard, this has been fantastic. It certainly brought me back into my old days. Uh, What's the best way for people to find you online? Uh, Best
0: way is I have my blog at howardmarks.com. I write a lot about technology, entrepreneurship, and then you can go to startengine.com and see there are companies you would like to invest in or raise money for your company.
1: Love it. Howard, thanks so much for doing this. You're welcome.